You know what? Hmm. I got a face for radio. You got a face for radio? Yep. Absolutely. I got it. I'm ready to go. I got I got important stuff. These I, questions, I have so many questions on top of these questions for you, Miles. You have questions on top of questions? Because you know stuff. We, we don't have as many questions today. That just means I can pontificate that much longer. Well, here we are once again to record our weekly, what do we call this? The weekly question and answer podcast. We're casting pods before swine. No, that no, wouldn't be that's right. That's not what that is. Our listeners are not swine. Where do you come up with this stuff? Do you ever, you ever, you ever see the thing where you know somebody opens a door and says, "Age before beauty," because you're an old person and they're letting you through the the door. And then what you do? No one's ever done that to me. Yeah, they did. They go, "Age before beauty," and I turn around and go, "Pearls before swine." <laughs> <laughs> they nice. they weren't encouraged. I was a new Christian. I was just trying the whole Bible thing oh, out. Oh, so this yeah. is a while ago. This wasn't like recently. You didn't do this like No, last not week. In like the last week or anything. Oh, like okay. That. Ooh, no, no. wait, wait for it. We I got just thunder? saw some lightning. I love I love thunder and lightning. It's the rain is back. I love it. On the oh, first day. You hear that? Nice. Yeah, I don't know if that'll show up on or come through on here, but there was I saw some flash of lightning. You know the problem is thunderbolt of lightning. Very, very. I hear that, and I want to break right into Riders on the Storm by, by uh, the Doors. What? Riders on the Storm. I don't know what that is. That's good. You're young. I'm once old. again, once I again, you bring stuff. up music that I don't know of. Riders on the Storm. Jim Morrison. Come on, man. Is that like the Bible story where the the disciples are in the boat with Jesus and he's taking a nap? Is it like taken from that? You know what? No. Okay. It actually, like most of the songs in the 60s and 70s, it really didn't make any sense at all, except for Bob <laughs> it Dylan. It made sense if you were high. Well, but Bob Dylan made sense, but you couldn't understand what he was saying. No, he's got the coolest voice in the world. You certainly can't understand what he's saying. It was great. But you know what? Through If you get an interpretation... And yeah. you definitely need an interpretation. Okay, so funny story. Someone's going to get mad because we, we slighted Bob Dylan. I love Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan's awesome. He made some sweet albums. Yeah, he had, did. You ever hear the music with him and uh, Johnny Cash, and they're kind of riffing and they're doing some some like spiritual music. Oh yeah, and then they cool. had a band Just called a Closer Walk with Thee. Yeah, and then they did a, a kind of a thing called the, with the Traveling Wilburys. They were all together. Yeah, they had some crazy names for. There bands. was some great. Well, they just did it so nobody would know who they were. Oh, okay. So it was kind of like a little, uh, whatever. So two fun facts on uh -huh. the Bob Dylan thing. You know, I have a doll that does worship and plays every instrument. I did not know that. You know that. Oh, and then, okay. but she was young and I go, you know, who you, you got to check out Bob Dylan. She goes, who's Bob Dylan? And I said, look, he he's really, a guy with two first names. Exactly. And I said, Robert Zimmerman was his real name. Don't ask me why I know that, but I do. Huh. And is he so Jewish? Said, he, he is. Bob Dylan's Jewish. Very Jewish. Very wow. Jewish. Yeah. I didn't know this. Yeah. And so, uh, see how quick I put that Zimmerman together. I know. Jewish. It's like you people. Yeah. yeah. But he's a completed Jew, right? Is he a believer? Yeah. You didn't hear his Christian I, albums? I don't follow Bob Dylan all that much. Oh, man. Yeah, he's got Christian albums. They're Dust glorious. and ashes. Dust yeah, and there ashes. you go. Uh, anyway, so I said, hey, you got to check Bob Dylan out. Now, mm. I gave the... Now, he can't sing. Okay? He's not really a great singer. He's more of a vocal stylist, like your father. <laughs> Is that what you call it? Yeah. And I uh, said, but man, the guy wrote amazing He's a songwriter. Lyrics. Yeah. Good songwriter. So she listened to it all. Mm-hmm. Because she had an assignment at school that she had to, there's all these different things you can do for extra credit. One of them is you can sing a, a pay, or like a, 
a song like a, what do they call them? Like a protest song, right? A protest song? Yeah, that's something to do with like, American history or something. Mm. And so um, she goes, wow, yeah. She listened to him. She goes, yeah, he definitely can't sing. He forgot to tell me that he couldn't play the guitar either. And I'm like, oh, ripping my heart out. Man, oh, I know man, she's like such an elitist. Seriously. Right? And then, so she went and played the song. Uh-huh. And she covered a Dylan song. A Dylan song. Oh, okay. And then what was funny is the teacher's like, that was really good. Do you know any more? And she goes, no, I, I really don't. I mean, I know church songs, but, you know, he was very adamant about no church stuff in the classroom. And he goes, you do? And she goes, yeah, I, I, every week I, I do church music. I do worship music. He goes, well, can we hear it? Really? And she's like, okay, but like, this is like church music. It mentions God and stuff. And he's like, I don't care. Just play. I love to hear you play. Huh. So she was singing worship music, a couple worship tunes at Palomar College. Nice. In a class. That's making the Jesus most of every opportunity. I was awesome. It was cool. Fun story. Second fun fact, camping in Catalina last year, bikepacking with my wife. The week before, I had just taught on uh, Jesus asleep in the boat, like you were uh-huh. just talking yeah. about that, going over the thing, doing a sermon that was really a lot about fear. Yeah. People suffer from fear. And so my wife and I are camping in a tent with our bicycles there. The only people in the whole camp place. They wow. must have looked at the weather report. And the wind got up to 40 miles an hour. Ooh. And I would say. your tent was like laying oh, over. Oh, man. It was, yeah. And so I was totally asleep. Might have been mm. a little bit of snoring going on. but And she woke you up and said, do you not care that we are perishing? Pretty much. Oh, wow. Nice. And so, and, and she says, I was, was very so biblical of her. frustrated with you because she goes, I'm there. There he is. Jesus asleep in the boat. Not caring. Oh, great man of the faith. So you're so one of those logs. people who can sleep through anything. Not always, but nope. yeah, I, if yeah. I can. Not, not, not always, but just, hey, it's just wind. It's not going to hurt you. My wife's a big time light sleeper, but I can sleep through anything. Yeah. So it's all good. My, my wife likes to, she says my melodic rhythm of my snoring, you know. So, it helps soothe. It's soothing. Nice. Well, it's like, like if it's not there, something's creepy. It's too quiet. So should we answer a question here? Oh, gosh. Yeah, we probably should, huh? All right. Here we go. The first question. Verse 8 of today's text, day, the word day, the capital word day. D, is capitalized. What is the significance? The day of the Bema seat? So should I, should I read the verse, um, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. Capital if, mark. If you're going to get all biblical, sure. Uh, well, I think it, it kind of may help to understand what this person who asked this question means by bima seat. Uh, bima is just the, the English transliteration of the Greek word bima, which means judgment seat. Yeah. So so they're referencing the judgment seat. So there's this view that there's going to be a judgment seat of Christ. The hot seat. Yeah. Um, the seat of judgmento. Yes. So there is, obviously, um, in this text, at yes. least in the New King James Version, the, the word day is capitalized, but that doesn't mean it's capitalized in the original Greek manuscripts. In fact, did you know that the Greek manuscripts were all lowercase? Yeah, don't they like run together or something they like that? They do run together. No punctuation. Pretty hard to read. So what you're saying is they actually invented the hashtag. Totally. Just put a hashtag at the beginning of a verse and, and it's like got the Greek entire hashtag. book. Oh, hashtag, man. Hashtag, there's the book of Ephesians. They named, Wow, <laughs> that's a really long hashtag. Totally. Oh, man. So it's a it's a theological reason for why that my, someone capitalized it as My mind day. is racing. Do they make Greek typewriters? I mean, they have to, right? 
Now, you know, I guess if you if you have to hand write the entire thing, it's a lot easier if you don't have to do any spaces or, or punctuation. You just write the letters and just keep going. See, I did that in kindergarten, and they didn't like that. You know, I guess that would make your reader really have to focus a little bit better. Like, you would know that they they read your letter because they'd have to really pick it apart to try and figure out what it is you're saying. And people get all sideways about run-on sentences. Well, actually, if you read through Paul's writings, he is the commander, not just the king. He's the commander of run-on sentences. Master and commander he of run-on sentences. He makes me feel yeah. way better because my, my sentence can, sentences can tend to be a little bit like run-ons. There you go. We're the kings of brevity. Mm, not me. Maybe you. No, come on. Compared to Paul. Okay, so uh, the Bema seat, yes, um, Bema 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, For we all must appear before the judgment seat. That's the word Bema judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. So there is apparently a judgment seat that we will stand before, before the Lord. Hmm. Yeah. You know what? That, that freaks believers out. It totally it? freaks people out. I've had like probably in the last couple of weeks, two or three conversations with people that are a little freaked out by this concept, but you don't have to fear because, um, Christ died for our sins, so this isn't judgment of your sin. But it does, it does well, I, I think, and I think it's really good mm-hmm. to be aware of that because I think a lot of people, Christians, don't live their life in the, they have an, I think an, I don't know, maybe a weird view of grace where yeah. they don't live their life in the view that, hey, this is eternal. Yeah, totally. And uh, you need to live your life in the uh, view of eternity, everything you do. This well, is I, guess it is a, I guess it is a good thing for someone to consider whether or not they are living in such a way that is according to, you know, what God's called them to do. But if someone is fearful about standing before the judgment seat of Christ, they have to wonder, are they clothed in their own righteousness or Christ's righteousness? I want to be clothed in Christ's righteousness. Right, right. That's a now, I do question. think it's fun. One of our favorite believers here at the church, the yes. little, little Jewish lady, she's really sweet. We love her all. Miss Dorothy comes Miss- in here on Wednesdays and Thursdays and helps out. Yeah, and she, she breaks it down for us and, and has all these really great questions. That's one that really mattered to her, but I think it was part of her Jewish upbringing. Yeah, and she uh, was pretty concerned about the judgment seat of Christ. Yeah. But we encouraged her. As a recovering Catholic, I'm a little concerned about it. I'm not concerned. I'm clothed in Christ's righteousness. No, no. Jesus is, like I said, Jesus has got it covered, but I think it's a good question. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might receive the righteousness of Christ, might be the righteousness of Christ. That's good stuff. Yeah, so... So, yeah, um, is this day in the text in, in uh, verse 8 of Second Timothy chapter 4, is that the Bema Seat of Christ? Uh, it could be. I think I mentioned on Sunday that it could be. It maybe it isn't. I don't remember if I mentioned that or not. Do you remember? I don't remember you mentioning that oh, at okay. All. Well, if I didn't, now I'll mention it. I mean, it you that, talked about the Bema Seat. I, I did. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. Well, I'm glad. Bema. Bema Seat. Number, number two. Why does Esther keep... Ch- Esther. Easter. Easter. Easter's man. Man, oh man. You okay, man? Uh, you having a stroke or so, something over there? It's so late. It's so late. It's, it's like, like two it's o'clock. It's like two o'clock on Wednesday. Yeah. Man, you got to go home and get your nap in, old man. Totally need a nap. Jeez. Okay, why does Easter keep changing every year? Isn't it supposed to be Jesus' resurrection? No one has been able to give me a good answer in 20 years. You have a chance to do something amazing here, Miles. No, I'm going to let this. you answer this question. Well, it, I, I don't think it's, if I'm getting this right, it's not an anniversary. No, not an anniversary. It's a celebration of an event, and so it happens at a certain time. So do you celebrate your anniversary or commemorate the day? I commemorate the day. 
on the actual day? Not always. Oh, okay, good. It's, it's convenience. Yeah, yeah, because if it, if it falls on a Tuesday, that may not be the best day to go out to dinner and have a good time. Yeah, I, I kind of get like, I make it a national holiday. It's like three days. Hey, we should go Your do this. Your anniversary? Oh, yeah, we hang out for like, yeah, we do all kinds of good Man, stuff. Man, I could learn a lot from you. Well, How long you been married? Going to be 32 years this June. 32 years. Yeah, wow. and we dated for like eight, seven, eight years Are you serious? That. Yeah. Like, yeah. Wow. Yeah, well, long Good time. times, the best oldies. Yes, Easter is not an anniversary necessarily, but the commemoration of the day of the resurrection. Right, and then Pentecost is? 50 days later. Right on. So it, does, it doesn't fall on the same day either. see how good you are. Ascension Day is how many days later? I have no idea. 40 days later. Okay, right. Yeah. So, that makes sense. Um, yeah. So, so how do we figure out what day Easter is on? It's actually um, not all that terribly difficult how we figure out how easter in fact today what's the day today today is march 20th and it happens to be a special day do you know what special day it is today is the spring equinox oh so that day actually is the day that you determine when passover is going to be signs and seasons because the first full moon after the spring equinox is Passover, and Jesus was crucified right at the time of Passover. So we determined that Easter is going to be, you know, the first full moon, the Sunday following the first full moon after the spring equinox. There you go. So there's the there's the deep answer. Easter is the Sunday following the first full moon after the spring equinox, which is either March 19th, 20th, or 21st, and today it is March 20th. Okay. It's the spring equinox. And Pentecost is 50 days after that. 50 days after that, the Ascension Day, which is celebrated by a lot of Christians around the world. Penta, which is like like Cinco. Yeah, Penta. That's 50 days yeah. after Passover, but after Easter. And then the Ascension is 10 days before Pentecost because he ascended in heaven 10 days before the Holy Spirit was poured out. So that's Ascension Day, which you'll like this. So in Germany, in May, every year, they celebrate the, uh, the Ascension of Christ, and it is called Christi Himmelfart. Really? Yeah. The the, the verb is that, sol- is that solid or hollow chocolate? The German <laughs> the Hemafart. The the German word for, for like exit or to go out is Fahren. So you know Fat. Wow. So Christi him it's his it's his great heaven exit. Christi Himmel Heaven. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I'd like Fodden. to see a cartoon one of those. Yeah, the, the, the Jesus fart that left heaven. Wow. Wow. Yeah, Americans, they, they get a kick out of that celebration every year. Well, it's just a, yeah. Wow. Do they sell a shirt or a cup oh, or something? Oh, man, totally. Next time you're in Germany hanging out, teaching we, we at one of those make... conferences, you got, you got to get me well, some. Well, and that's when the conference is. We always do the conference in Germany right at the table. Okay, I, the I, I want a Jesus fart t-shirt for the next time you go there, man. Wow. That's awesome. I thought you might like that. So, yeah, so actually... I think we could get more teenage kids into church if we oh, taught them man, about totally. that. Yeah. So Easter actually... At least the boys, anyway. Easter determines when Pentecost is. It determines when the Ascension is. But it also determines when Good Friday is. Because when is Good Friday? The Friday before Easter. And yeah. Palm Sunday. You know, Sunday Easter's a little Easter. confusing. That, that Friday was not so good for Jesus. No, we'll talk about that on Good Friday. It's coming up. It's a month away no. from to this week. Man. The um yeah which for, they call it Good Friday I'm like yeah even as a kid I was like man that didn't that wasn't so good for Jesus so good. good for me good for me great for me absolutely you know so 
And then, yeah. Should we, should we go to the next one? Surely. So I know. Stop calling me Shirley. You thought I was going to say I it. know. I know. I was you're waiting for it. You're a little slow there. Okay. I like this. What? I've never seen that movie, by the way. You've never seen? No. You probably shouldn't. It's not. It's probably not on it's the not list. Very, Let's not even name the it's name. It's not Christian. Okay, good. Not Christian. But All I right. wasn't a Christian when I saw it. So. Numero tres. Okay. What does fighting the good fight, quotation marks, I like that, look like practically in regards to marriage, children, work, and service to the Lord? Thoughts on this? Oh, I got thoughts. You got thoughts? Okay, the first thing that comes to my mind is that fighting the good fight in regards to marriage, family, all this stuff would be uh, fighting to live faithfully in all of those areas. That would be my first thought, is that you're seeking to walk in faithfulness in your marriage and as a parent and in your work and as a follower of Jesus. That's the first thing that comes to my mind. Yeah, what I like about the question is it forces us to contextualize something for us today, right? I mean, uh-huh. we're not fighting the Romans. We're not awaiting execution. Uh, there's not people that have sworn to uh, kill us. They're going to fast to kill us like Paul. Um, and so we're not suffering with that. So what does it look like to fight the good fight for us? And so there's not necessarily this physical battle, but there is a battle for our habits and our affections, uh, the things we're dedicated to, and that's a constant fight. And so what does that look like? Um, let's see. Uh, marriage. Yeah. I think fighting the good fight in your marriage is that uh, I use this at pretty much every uh, ceremony I do. Let your light so shine before men, men seeing your good works would give glory to your Father in heaven. Mm. Reference. Matthew chapter 5. Because he knows. He knows all the references. Mm. Uh, And so what does that look like? It looks like a marriage that is centered around Christ and everybody can see that. And so that's being consistent in that and having your priorities in order I think is really important to fighting the good fight. It's part of fighting the good fight because you... Your testimony is no good if your marriage is no good. And and marriage is a picture of the relationship that God desires to have with us. So, yeah, so you want your marriage to be lived faithfully before the Lord, and so other people see that as well. Right, and then we're the bride of Christ, which is really, that's a whole other freaky subject I try to com- you know, comprehend as a guy, Yeah, being the bride of Christ, but I get it. Um, and then I also think of, like, children, investing in our children and passing that on to them. That's part of the fight, right? We can't have a generation without God. Yeah. Seeing what that's doing to us. Uh, work, that's a priority, right? And yeah, you so, know, Paul in Ephesians and in Colossians talks significantly when he's talking about social relationships. He talks about husbands and wives. He talks about children and parents. And he talks about slaves and masters, which in our context would be employees and employers. So, yeah, you need to walk in the right way that's faithful before God and the way that you serve your employer, or if you're a manager and an employer, how you deal with your employees. Right. And then the last, and in service to the Lord. And I think... uh... Yeah, I think that that's a really important one because, you know, I think we can fail to recognize that we all have a calling to serve the Lord. We all have a gifting with which we ought to serve the Lord. Peter talks about this, how each one of us has received a gift of God's grace and we are to minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So every single person who's a Christian has gifts and talents and abilities and time that God has given to them to serve him and his people. So we should uh, be faithful in those things because we will stand before the Bema Seat of Christ. Um, I was reading a prayer request today from a single mom. Uh Uh-huh. And gosh, I really have a heart for single moms. Yeah. They're, they're having to do so many jobs and she's tough, working tough. and trying to raise children. And, and I'm looking at that prayer request and I'm saying, wow, she's fighting the good fight. I want to, I want to, I want to 
compliment her and encourage in the fact that she's fighting the good fight. And I think another thing we have to remember is, is we don't need a stadium full of people to share the gospel. Yeah. One-on-one most of the time is where it happens. Yeah. And part of her fighting the good fight is how does she pass her faith on and her example, her dependence on the Lord, that example to her children. And really, if she goes through her entire life and the only ones that she wins to the Lord are her own kids, hey, she's in a four to one ratio. She's doing great, you know. And so that's a that's that's fighting the good fight. That's being faithful. So I'm amen. You know, yeah, I, I think that's, uh, you know, uh, that's a great question. OK, on the issue of fighting, are Christians allowed to fight in the military or defend themselves? Pastor Mark, I like I'm going to say yes. OK, OK, but I, I get this by, you know, extrapolation. Mm. let's say. And what I like is this is an open-ended question that doesn't have a solid answer because I can make a total case for pacifism, as I'm sure you can. Um, And uh, I think what really comes in the big question for me is, is are you fighting for somebody taking your stuff? Jesus tells us, hey, if somebody's taking your stuff, you know, offer them your cloak too, I believe was the the quote, right? Um, If somebody strikes you. Turn to him the other cheek. And say, hey, give it a shot. Right. And so there's pacifism as a witness there, which, man, that's hard. Yeah, that's that's really hard. Um, But I do think that we're called to defend those who can't defend themselves either. Yeah. So there there are kind of two primary views on the issue of defense, self-defense, defending yourself and then war and all these things. Um, One is the view of pacifism, which you're right. I think you can make a really strong case for nonviolence from the teaching of Jesus uh, most specifically, people like to use the passage in the Sermon on the Mount where you talked about turn the other cheek. Um, he says, resist not evil. Um, so this is the non-resistance, non-violence. He says, you have heard that it has been said of those of old time, you shall um, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you that, you know, do not resist, you know. So that whole passage. Um, so people can build a non-violence sort of position from that passage of Scripture. However... I do think that you have to look at some other things in the whole counsel of God um, as it relates to defending yourself, defending those who are defenseless. I, I, um, anytime I think about this, I think of uh, the passages. There's a couple of them in Isaiah where God basically judges the children of Israel for not defending the fatherless and the widows, and those right. were the defenseless of their society. So if it's in the power of your hands to defend someone who is... Um, well, like, for example, so last week... There was that uh, shooting in New Zealand, Christchurch, New Zealand, at the mosque. Horrible, oh, horrible. atrocious. What a bummer! And oh. uh, I have, I would have had no problem if there was someone there who was armed to protect all of those fifty people now who died, and had taken that guy out. I think he, they would have been perfectly in the righteous position to defend the defenseless in that scenario. Right. So. So, I mean, for me, somebody's busting down my front door and my family's there. They're going to have a really bad day. Yeah. Uh, but, um, you know, Augustine. Uh, yeah. So so I said there's two different views on this whole yeah. issue of uh, war. So one of them is pacifism. Right. And the other one is uh, what's called just war theory. Mm-hmm. And just war theory has been around for centuries. Um, you know, Augustine, who lived, you know, 1600 years ago, he he wrote about issues having to do with just war theory. And then about a thousand years after that, a lot of Catholic theologians built on this concept as well. And so the whole idea of just war theory is that there are some wars and some defensible things where you're justified and, and they have criteria. People like to go through some very specific criteria about what makes a just war uh, just or what makes someone defending themselves just. So 
Uh, but I, I do kind of hold more to this just war theory than I do pacifism. I think that you do have a responsibility to defend those who are defenseless. And, and I think that this could come into play uh, when it comes to, has to do with nations as well. I mean, we look at the Second World War, and there was a, an entire group of people, and lots of different people, but the most large group of people that we generally think of is the Holocaust against the Jews. Right. And, uh, you know, we, we needed to intervene. And there's a lot of people who say we should have intervened a lot sooner, that we, right. we knew way before we intervened what was going on and didn't do anything. But I, I do think that it was something that was necessary that people needed to get engage in that situation. But that brings up another interesting discussion. Uh, so this is the spring equinox, but do you know what holiday March 20th is? No. Purim. Oh. Today is Purim. Do yeah. you remember what Purim is all about? Uh, Esther and all that? Yeah. Story of Esther. So yeah. you go all the way back to one of the first holocausts. You had this nut job, not Hitler, but Haman. And right. Haman was uh, kind of a general of the king. <clears throat> Pardon me. The constructor of gallows. Right. And yeah. so he, he, if you remember the story of Esther, he had gotten the king to agree to this crazy decree. So the king gives a decree that all the Jews are to be wiped out on a certain day. Right. Well, ultimately, Haman, you know, his, his plan comes to... <laughs> Don't we love it when the oh, bad so guy gets great. it? He totally... Oh, that, that's like one of the best. greatest stories in the Bible. God did it so much better than love me. Love that story oh, in yeah. the Bible. Uh, but so anyway, after Haman's demise, after he uh, was killed on his own gallows... Uh, then we still have this problem of this decree that's going to happen where the Jews are going to be wiped out by all the people in, in Persia. And so the king says to Esther, his queen, who is Jewish, uh, and her, is it her uncle, Mordecai? Yeah. That there's no way for him to undo this decree. Once it was decreed, it's decreed. But they could create another decree to deal with the unjust decree. And that had to do with them defending themselves. So I just read real quick from uh, the book of Esther, chapter 8. Um, it says, By these letters in verse 11, the king permitted the Jews who were in every city to gather together to protect their lives and to destroy, kill, and annihilate all forces of any people in the province that would assault them. So on the day that they were supposed to be put to death, then at that point in time, they could stand up and they could defend themselves. And so chapter 9, it says, Now in the twelfth month, that is the month of Adar, on the thirteenth day, at the time the king's command and his decree was to be executed on that day, the enemies of the Jews had hoped to overpower them. The opposite occurred in that the Jews themselves overpowered those that hated them and they withstood and they defended themselves. So they they were right in defending themselves from those who were going to come and annihilate them. This is a kind of the first, the first Holocaust, if you will, against the Jews. Right. And they defended themselves. And right. I think they were completely righteous. And today, March 20th, is the celebration. Of oh, wow. Perm. Right on. Right on. Well, I, you know, a friend of ours. That's kind of providential that it would be this day. That yeah. We're doing this. Wow. Ooh, we didn't plan that. Man. Groovy. Groovy. Uh, well, a friend of ours, Victor, right? Yes. They're over in. Victor Marks. In Iraq. All things possible. Yeah, they've been in Iraq and Syria and uh, a number of other places. They're being invited in places I can't talk about at this point. Right. A bunch of military guys, and yeah. they jump in where ISIS is basically ravaging the Yazidi, different different people groups there, uh, and, you know, hauling women off, doing all these just these atrocities, and they're jumping in in the name of Jesus. And, like, we had that one video that right. saving that little and girl that was, was getting uh, shot at. That was one of their partner ministries. Both of these ministries we support as a church. Right. Their, their partner ministries were free Burma Rangers. Yeah. And so they're over there taking fire and returning fire to save people, defending the defenseless and um, doing it in Jesus' name. And, boy, were the guys that day when we played that as our oh, on mission. Really wanted to go on a mission trip. 
Yeah, that's see, God built guys like that. We yeah, don't. Totally. There's something in us when we see something. We'll jump in front of a train for um, the defenseless. Right. I think when we know most right. guys will. Uh, we just not so we're not so good at the day to day thing sometimes, but uh, some better than others. Let's just say. But uh, yeah, there's God put that in us. I think we get indignant when we see innocent people suffer. True, we should, and and we rightly should. Right, and so just to be clear, I mean, you're not not being a Christian if you're in the military. Uh, that's uh, we're not we're not saying that at all. That don't don't catch that from us. If you are defending the defenseless, right? Um, yeah, I align in the area of just war theory. I think that there are some wars and some defenses that are are justified and right. But I, in saying that, I I recognize that there are God loving, you know, Bible believing Christians who hold a different view as it relates to pacifism, and that's perfectly fine. Uh, the Quakers, the Anabaptists, oh, those. Uh, There's people trying to get a hold of you. You're important. Yeah, I know. I got things ringing and dinging and all kinds of craziness. Man, you're you're a big cheese. I guess so. Yeah, probably not. Have you, Pastor Mark or Pastor Miles, ever been abandoned by people in the ministry? Ouch! I'm gonna bite my tongue. <laughs> the answer is yes. Yes, and I would never mention names. Uh, and I guess with Paul, he was remembering it. Let's go back and be constructive with this. But Paul was remembering it uh, uh, in a way that uh, he was. Oh, just we were getting talking about the warnings passage. To, yeah, Let warning me read the passage here. Yeah, that's what um, it's going back to here. He had been abandoned. Alexander the coppersmith. Well, he talking about Demas. Right. Has forsaken me, having loved this present world. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, it's a uh, that's a painful experience. Many times, it's a friend, and uh, you can't hold on to that stuff. Um, it is and, challenging. I think yeah. that. Um, there's, yeah. Yeah. And I'll say this, there's always something really deeply spiritual about that in some mostly in a negative way. Um over the years I've been, seen people leave churches for like the silliest reason. And you think gosh, they took the rocks off the wall. They took the rocks off the wall. There's you, no more dove on the wall. Uh let's see. They removed the carpet. They got rid of the communion plates and replaced them with offering bags. A uh, communion plates? Yes. Offering plates. Not well, they they look just like communion plates. Oh, okay, they just right, didn't right. have the whole things in you them. You got rid of the blue, smelly chairs. Yeah. I, I mean, seriously, yeah. these are some of the reasons we've heard over the years yeah. that people have left. And um, usually, uh, we'll call it a prayer card, but it's a comment card, yes. and it's not signed. Yeah, those those cards we put in the bulletins, they're not comment cards. Yeah. Again, as we were talking about living your life in eternity, I think it's very important as, as you're living your life in the view of eternity to consider... And not uh, get wrapped around the axle about silly things like that. It usually harbors around change, mm-hmm. and people abandon when things get tough, right? And it's their challenge they have in, in their own. But uh, that's a yeah, it's a hurtful thing. Well, and on that point, like I think it's worth noting, and I've had this conversation with people before, and I'm sure you have as well. That when I've talked with people who are upset because we made some sort of change within the church. We'll let them know, like, hey, listen, our goal is to reach people who are not going to church. And the fact that those chairs are smelly might keep someone from coming to church. So we're just trying to reach people with the gospel. Right. Yeah. And I think one of the focus, if you're not focused on eternal things and, you know, we should be concerned about people going to hell. That's that that should keep us up at night. Yes. And so um, this church, as all churches, should exist to make an opportunity to snatch people out of hell and for to come into a loving relationship with Jesus Christ, um, that's why we're here. And so to bring those unsaved people in, to disciple the saved, and for them to go back out and 
um, do the work of the ministry. And so, um, yeah. So yeah, yeah, the simple answer is have, have we ever been abandoned by people in the ministry? Yes. Yeah. And there's actually, sadly, there's a number of faces that flash in my mind when I think of this and it's, it's painful to think about that. Yeah. It's a bummer. It's a yeah. bummer. It's a bummer. Uh, somewhat, somewhat along the same lines, if I've done wrong or failed people or the Lord, how do I restart and repair the damage? That's a great question. Mark. I like this question better. Yeah. I, it seems like this is talking about a relationship here. It could even be related to the, the question before it. Um, it's one thing to stand before the Lord and go, man, I really messed this up. I did wrong by this person and that person there. Um, and yes, there's, there's forgiveness that's there. Mm-hmm. Um, thank God for forgiveness. Yeah. Thank God for forgiveness and grace and all that. But I think if you really, you really want to restore things, if that's really your heart, you're humbled by the Lord to, to, that you want to restore things and you want to do the right thing, the most excellent way, so to speak. I think you have to go to that person and I think you have to repent. Heart, not, and not, I'm sorry I got caught. You have to repent and clearly state, here's my sin, this is what I was thinking and it was wrong. Yeah. And I'm wrong and I'm going to ask that you forgive me because I don't want this to be a thing between us. Yeah. And then there's something shifts. I think, and, and what shifts is is now that humility person, is such a huge important oh, part of this too. Gosh, it is humility and humbleness, and and they go hand in hand. You know, are, it's the same they, word. Are they not the same? Well, humility is you're throwing that out there. Humbleness is like the actual act. Okay, you know, I'm good. It's with like that. Ebo Elder said. The one thing about deception is it's so deceptive. I remember when he said that, and at first I thought I don't think he knew what he's saying. I thought you know what? No, he's right. He knows exactly. He what double he's said about. it. I'm with Ebo. So, um, but I think when you do that, then that also causes that other person has to forgive you. Yeah. If they're a believer and it's their responsibility, it's a two part package there with, you know, God in the middle of it. And I think what happens when you do it in that way, and it's the most excellent way, I think the kingdom is going to prosper in a way that's beyond everybody's expectation. Yeah. And, uh, and I tell married couples this all the time because there's always one that considers themselves, you know, holier or better than the other, they've least, less offended. I said, you know, somebody's got to go first. Jesus went first. And so somebody's got to go first. And I think in the situation, somebody's got to go first. Now, if they either don't want to forgive you. Yeah, that's that's on them. Then that's on them. Yeah. That's on them. So I'm reminded of a, a verse uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, verse 23. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there and before the altar and go your way first be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift agree with your adversary quickly while you're in the way with them lest your adversary deliver you to the judge and the judge hand you over to the officer and you be thrown into prison um yeah that that passage is the one that comes to mind because if you i I think it's really important the way that he says it that if you bring your gift to the altar so you're you're going to go worship the lord and i think that when you're either corporately worshiping with the Lord or you're just by yourself and you're reading through the scriptures, you're praying, you're worshiping. The Holy Spirit of God reminds you if there's something wrong that needs to be dealt with and if there's something that needs to be dealt with, go deal with it is what Jesus says and be reconciled to that individual. And Christ has given us the power through the death, his death on the cross to be reconciled. And he's given us the ministry of reconciliation, which is bringing two warring parties back together again. Uh, reconciliation is a beautiful thing. You, you know, I'm sure you've experienced this too, having had the privilege of doing some marriage counseling over the years. 
of seeing a couple who was headed towards divorce reconciled is one of the most beautiful things ever. You know, I, I it's a blessing when it, when it, when it works out well. What a blessing! What an encouragement! Yeah. And to yeah. see, and it, it's really just them being Christ-like towards one another, right? And things just ratchet down, and, and them to work. And and I'll tell you, I've even had uh, different uh, men and women who are going through a divorce, and they realize that they've had some uh, culpability in it. Uh-huh. Uh, they, they, it was like, man, this was my fault. Even the you know guys who said, man, I had an affair, and now I want to be forgiven. I'm really messed up. And they're like, what do I do? And I said, here's what you do is you've got to be a Christian. And they're like, what does that mean? Humble yourself. Humble yourself, apologize, ask forgiveness, and then be the man you wish you were before. And if that divorce happens, at least for the last year, you can at least go before the Lord and say, look, man, I really tried. And I I really tried to set that example of what you wanted me to be. And I think it's very healthy. And because uh, um, that other person is in a position to forgive. And and humility is not easy. I, I believe that the Lord is the one who enables us to do that. Um, but we are told, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who humbled himself. So we need to we need to humble ourselves. But humility, uh, in my experience, it, it hasn't gotten easier to humble myself. No, I mean, I guess part of the reason why you don't want to do a lot of dumb stuff is you don't want to have to come back and admit you're wrong, right? Constantly. <laughs> that helps. Do yeah. it right the first time. Yeah, try to just do yeah. the right thing. It's yeah. a lot easier. But I also think of the uh, the situation Jesus laid out um, with the wicked servant uh, where uh, you know he gets forgiven a debt, mm-hmm. and then he goes and shakes everybody else down. Yeah. And uh, I'm like, I don't want to be like that. No. We don't, want, we don't want our people to be like that. It's like we've been forgiven for so much. And we have to have that that forgiveness on our hearts towards people. And so uh, very, very important. Still raining. It is still raining. I like the rain. Yeah, I think the guy's bike ride's canceled tonight. I think my kid's uh, baseball practice is canceled. It's breaking your heart. I can tell by looking at it. No comment. Yeah. Huge baseball fan? Love ba- I, I love watching my kids play baseball. Yeah. Yeah. I, I we did the sports thing for a while. Yeah. Yeah. We did soccer. Sumo wrestling. Soccer. Oh, okay. For a while. Gotcha. And sport we, fishing? Well, that was It's called you know, sport. I love it. They call them, they call them blood sports like it's bad. Hunting and fishing and things like that. I love it. I thought blood sport was like martial arts. Like mm, MMA. I never did that stuff. Oh. You did that stuff? I did do that stuff. You do I it got anymore? Bloodied. I got bloodied a little bit. I, yeah. I don't do it anymore. I'm a lover, not a fighter. So yeah. I, yeah. I have kids. They come and they try to wrestle me. My kids are too big. They start wrestling me. I'm going to get hurt. Man, we have some really great Nerf Wars. Oh, those are the best. And then pillow fights. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lots of fun. Martial arts. Mortal combat with a pillow. A down feather pillow. I remember I had just taken over helping with a high school group. Uh-huh. And um, he's a pastor now. He's going to be down at Maranatha Chapel here pretty soon. Daniel Bentley. Uh huh. And uh, he was just a kid. He's like fourteen or fifteen with all his friends. And we showed up for surf movie night. Okay. And uh, a pillow fight broke out. Mm. And his guy friends didn't know me. 
And man, I mean, I hit this kid hard, so hard one time. He you tumbled over the. Oh yeah. Oh okay. And his buddy went over the the couch like a cartwheel. Like I thought, ooh, I'm, I might have done some serious. No wonder damage. you don't work at Maranatha Chapel anymore. No, they loved it, man. That was the best. We could give friends after that. And at man. that point, they said, mm, "Cross Connection Church, you're out." Yeah, dude. yeah, you're gone. Yeah, you know, well, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna buy out your contract. We're gonna get you out of here. <laughs> uh, no, we actually we kind of became friends after that. We always oh, used to go surf together. But I I remember asking him years ago, like. You know, because he said, says, yeah, kills. Yeah, we were wondering, like, who is this guy and why is he trying to kill us? Nice. Yeah. Hey. All right. All right. I think that's it. Anything we're done else? For this week. Parting shots? Can't think of anything. All right, man. Text your questions if you got them. Yeah. Peace may, out. May the Lord be with you.